Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. As a matter of fact, we have a very special show. As you know, I always close the show with a little sneak peek as to what you're going to get next week. We were going to air a conversation with Eric Ross, but as soon as I buttoned up last week's show, I got an invite from True TV to speak with Alex Boyer, Wes Barker, Eric LeClaire, and Chris Ramsey, who have set the magic world abuzz as the cast of Big Trick Energy. I spoke to them yesterday about their new show. More on that in just a little bit. Nick LaCapo joins me via Zoom to discuss the featured download of the week from Rick Lax. But before all that, we have an extended discussion with Axel Hecklau in what started out as a Desert Island Magic Books and became a much wider ranging conversation that you won't want to miss. Axel Hecklau, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for Desert Island Magic Books. Let's say you wash up on a desert island with one magic book and it's made of Tyvek, so it's not going to disintegrate in the wind and the rain of the sand. What is your Desert Island Magic Book? That's a very difficult question. I know. That's why um, I pose it to you. <laughs> yeah. If, if I understand the question as what, what would I have to read really on an island when there's nothing and have plenty of time and, and still uh, want to be in magic uh, would be the table course uh, mm-hmm. because all it, it's such a lot of material mm-hmm. for that long period of time. Uh, and and you never have the time to read everything, but inside there's everything. Uh, what will be invented in the future? So it's already in the, in, in in the table course. So I think that would be a good choice. Um, in terms of what book would me would be interested to me uh, that I always wanted to read that I have in my shelf, it would be uh, annotated Alice from Martin Gardner. So Alice in Wonderland with all the the annotations, what does it it mean, uh, what uh, Lewis Carroll meant uh, in his book, Uh, all all the solutions of of the riddles inside and so what in in, in terms of the history and so that is very interesting and I never could do it. I have it in my shelf, but uh, I had no time to read it because, yeah, difficult. That brings up an interesting concept to me is that frequently I talk to magicians and, and I say, I ask them, you know, what's what's a book that has most affected your magic? And I think my favorite answers are when people give books that are not magic books. Are you a big Lewis Carroll fan? And is that sort of influenced your magic in any way? Uh, no, my story with, with Alice in Wonderland is different because uh, Alice in Wonderland is a known story in Germany, but not as famous as in the English uh, speaking world. Mm-hmm. Um we have different fairy tales like the the brother Grimm. I don't know if yeah. you know. They collected uh, uh, many many fairy tales and mm-hmm. like Snow White years much more. Snow White years our Alice in Wonderland here in Germany. Oh really? And and um, no uh, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, my my relation to that is a routine that I developed uh, of uh, razor blade eating, and I. Okay. Um, took one poem out of Alice in Wonderland, the Jabberwocky. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned that. Uh, uh, and and this is quite a very artificial, quirky uh, uh, routine um, that is totally different to other razor blade eating um, things because it has a lot of to do with me uh, and myself. Um, the routine is I start with a poem, but totally doesn't make sense to people at the first hand. And then I have a glass of Nutella 
the chocolate cream, you know? <laughs> yes, yeah. And and um, I eat this a little bit and I love uh, Nutella. And, and then I take five razor, razor blades and I dip them in, in the Nutella and then I lick the Nutella from the razor blade and then I eat uh, five of them. And during that, I... I uh, say the the poem of the Jabberwocky. Mm -hmm. I was so fascinated of 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 this poem by by telling people a story that they don't understand and understand at the same moment. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a German version of it. I, I learned first the German version, and at the end, these five razor blades are gone mm -hmm. and don't reappear. They're <laughs> simply gone. I just eat it. So. And at the end, uh, I take some rest of Nutella and I go and I say, I love it. So, and people are there, what was that? And uh, th this is my routine. And um, the story is, I, I did it in German and then I was booked in the Magic Castle and I wanted to do this. And so I have to, had to learn the original version in English, mm -hmm. uh, what I did. And then I flew over and in the plane, um, I saw uh the movie uh alice in wonderland they oh, yeah. provided it there and uh i was uh, yeah surprised by this mm -hmm. coincidence then i did a lecture uh, on this journey in in dallas um and i was not in a hotel but uh, uh in, a, in the magic room of of, of of a person who who invited me there and the first thing I saw in his bookshelf was the annotated Alice. Mm. That was the second wow moment. And then I performed in the Magic Castle and uh, I was so surprised that everybody knew this Jabberwocky uh, uh, poem. I didn't know that it's what's so popular in, in, in the English speaking, uh, speaking area. And then at the end, uh, the fourth moment uh, where I said, oops, that's something special and magical moment was when I met um, Erica Larson. Mm -hmm. And she said she is a Lewis Carroll fan and, and, and uh, Alice in Wonderland fan and showed me a tattoo of Alice that she has. <laughs> so, so these were four moments that yeah. made it very special to me. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And I just, I'm really fascinated by the fact that the it's not as well known in Germany and you come over here and you and you suddenly experience like the how much of a phenomenon Lewis Carroll's work is in uh, in the English speaking world and yeah. I wonder did the routine change at all from English to German because I know sometimes with translations between languages meaning and context can change and I'm wondering did the did you find that it changed at all it changed a little bit when I changed it from German to English because yeah. the German version of the poem is even more not understandable. <laughs> uh, and this is what I, what I found that fascinating because uh, you don't understand the single words, but you understand what's going on. And oh. uh, there's a fight between a hero and a, and a monster. This is what you, you feel in the words, mm -hmm. but you don't understand the words. And uh, this was the reason why I love this um, uh, yeah, poem and fitting to that fight between mm -hmm. chocolate cream and uh, 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 razor blades and 
and at the end, actually, I I not, uh, I performed it before with a version that two tricks later the razor blades appear again uh, on the thread. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the Magic Castle, I also performed the gypsy thread, and I had two threads, and at the end, so that didn't fit together, so I just skipped the the reappearance of the razor blades, and I found out that people are so unsatisfied with the not appearing reappearing of the razor blades that they think about much more than the satisfaction of letting them reappear. So uh, in this case, I break the rule of satisfy people at the end. And uh, yeah, I have the experience that people talk after the show way, way after I performed it uh, about the razor blades uh, because they are not satisfied with the end. You know what, though? Not satisfying them with the end and making them think about that is a much more interesting engagement with the audience, I think, than creating the satisfaction in that way. Because the concept of just eating the razor blades, and especially in the context of the Magic Castle where everyone is expecting those blades to come back on a thread and then just not having them come back is yeah. um, delightfully cruel, I think, to your audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, people talked a lot about that. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, from that moment on, I kept it by this. So, so I always and magic friends and and colleagues over and always said, ah, you have to let them reappear. And I always say, nope, nope, nope. And many people don't like the routine because it's really it looks really dangerous. Mm-hmm. So, so because um, my technique is um, like Paul Potassi did it, mm-hmm. uh, and he described it. He said, uh, yeah, they are sharp. Period. And yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, we're, we're putting metal in our mouth, and as much as you can dull it or whatever, it's still sharp. No, no, it, mine are never used. I, I, oh. I, I, t- I take the the uh, original packed uh, razor blades, and I only use them once. Ah. So they are, they are really, really, really as sharp as they can. Oof. And people see this. I perform this in the Magic Castle, in the mm-hmm. parlor, so people sit... Um, two meters away from me mm-hmm. and they see how how they w- go through the paper like butter mm-hmm. so so if i do this uh, uh, multiple times they will see uh, they are not that sharp mm-hmm. so so i only use them one once and the trick technique is just as potassi b- describes uh, be careful mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite funny but i was stupid enough and uh, uh, um, crazy enough in my my 20s or when I was 18 or so to try it out and uh, I have the the luck that my my um, if if I cut myself a little bit it mm-hmm. heals uh, uh, quite fast so um, I don't recommend to do the uh, to, to, uh, to the other people to make this or to try this because it's, it's really really dangerous so so don't do it. On the on the subject of mixing it with the Nutella, because I just I'm very focused on this idea of not bringing them back, and I wonder if if you did this routine or a routine like this, where you were eating the razor blades and not bringing them back, I'm not sure if it would work as well if there wasn't the Nutella there to almost soften the emotional response, because the the Nutella the Nutella gives it a sense of whimsy. Like yes, it works in the context of the. Uh, of the poem and showing this battle between a hero and a monster. But if you were to just do a razor blade routine and where you eat the razor blades and then don't bring them back, 
if you didn't have that Nutella, I'm not sure that it would it would play the same to your audience. I, they wouldn't they wouldn't be thinking about it so much because it would just become a straight up magic trick for them almost. Or like, does that make sense? I think the the the, the whole thing is it's it's one yeah. piece. So so the the poem is very very important. Mm-hmm. The Nutella is an extra personal kick. I don't need. I don't think it's. It needs the Nutella, but it needs the poem mm-hmm. for that. Okay. And uh, uh, at the end, people have a different feeling. They are mm-hmm. scared. They are. Uh, uh, they they find uh, they feel disgusting. And 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 some people. I I, I watch people look away mm-hmm. or cover their eyes because they don't want to see this. And so, mm-hmm. um, so it's not a routine that I perform in a. In a family show or in a in a show where I booked for for companies, mm-hmm. this is where, what I do in my theater. So people come to watch me, and uh, they want to see my artificial thinking mm-hmm. or something. And this is one side of myself. It's only a, I'm I'm not a, a performer that who who performs only uh, strange things like that. So yeah. this is just the dark side of mine it's, well, it's imp- in this one piece. <laughs> it's important for us to have a space to express our more artistic tendencies that might not be so acceptable in a, uh, in a family show or a, a, a corporate show. I, I can't imagine you doing that in a corporate show, but maybe it depends on the company. It depends <laughs> if it's, if it's a company who, who makes razor blades. Mm-hmm. Yes, the 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 the, uh, the Nutella razor blade circuit. It's a it's a very specific European performance circuit. Well, uh, Axel Heckler, thanks so much for joining me here on the podcast for Desert Island Magic Books. We spoke way longer than I intended to, and about different things. But I'm so glad because it was such a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks to Axel Hecklau for joining me on the show. Be sure to check out his latest effect, Fork Through Finger. It's a killer trick that you're going to love. Before we get to the main event, let's check in with Nick Lacapo for the featured download of the week, which is The Demonica Trainer by Rick Lax. Nick and I spoke over Zoom about this memory masterclass. Nick, I know you've been railing on me to learn Demonica forever, and I I think I'm going to pick up Rick Lax's Demonica Trainer. Oh, hold on. Just Eric? Yeah. Eric, but- Nick's... Nick's not here. This is David McCrary. Nick is, uh, just say, unavailable right now. What? Shut up, Nick. Shut Nick, shut your mouth. Dave, Dave, how are you on the podcast? This is where I talk to Nick about discount items. Yeah, well, Nick, Nick, let's just, let's just keep it simple. Nick's not, not, Nick's not available right now. Okay, that works for me. Uh, what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about Rick Lax's mnemonica trainer. Oh, dude. What year did what year did that come out? I think it was like 2017 or 2018. It was a couple of years ago. And whatever year it was, whatever else came out, that's the download of the year. Uh, and I'm not even joking. You not even joking. You used to learn Monica in like an evening, right? Yeah. Like an hour, no joke, I learned it in about like an hour and 15 minutes, I think. And that's about how long like seriously, however long the actual video is, that's how long it took me to memorize it. Now, I was very slow at it, but I knew if somebody... Give me a number right now. Give me a number. Uh, 14. 14. That is the uh, a very large lady who likes to eat um, is very much into Shakespeare. So uh, it's the eight of hearts. That's amazing. So what you just did <laughs> was actually go through... Sense. 
I know it doesn't make sense, but it is, it's a mnemonic, it's like a mnemonic trainer, or he's got like a system, like a memory system that helps to get you back to the number and the card. It's really yeah. interesting. If you're into pop culture at all, this is going to be super simple for you to remember. And I mean, however long ago I learned it, you know, there were times when I would uh, not use it for a while and it would take me maybe 15 minutes to sit down and get back to where I wanted to be to just kind of go over it again. Like, that's right. That's what number 36 is. I, I remember now. Um, Daggone, it's so brilliant. I don't know how to stress it enough that this is the best trainer for memorizing uh, mnemonica. It's, uh, well, I mean, like you did it in real time there, just like what you described was being able to, even if you haven't done it in a while, use those things that just stick in your brain to be able to get back to that number and that card is so valuable. Dave, thanks for talking to me about uh, Rick Lax's mnemonica trainer. I think everyone should check it out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if not, then you don't want to, you don't want to open those doors to so many new effects that you'll be able to, to, uh, fry people with. Daggone, it's so good. So good. That was Mnemonica Trainer by Rick Lax, available at penguinmagic.com. And as a special thanks to listening to the show, you'll get 25% off at checkout when you enter the discount code PENGUINPOD. That's PENGUINPOD, P-E-N-G-U-I-N-P-O-D, all one word, at checkout for 25% off this miracle memory trainer. Special thanks to Dave McCurry for stepping in while Nick is in Utah this week performing at the Mystique Dining Lounge. Be sure to go check him out. Now, on to the main event. Big Trick Energy is a brand new magic show that will be premiering April 22nd on True TV. It features four lifelong friends, Chris Ramsey, Eric LeClaire, Wes Barker, and Alex Boyer, performing magic pranks, huge illusions, and a lot more. They're in a ramp up to, for their press right now, and I got some sent some advanced clips of the show to give me a taste of what it is. Now, full disclosure, I have not seen an entire episode, but I was granted access to speak to the cast. They were in the middle of a virtual press tour with a lot of media outlets, and I was fortunate enough to be granted 10 minutes to ask them questions. And to their credit, there were no talking points established ahead of time. This was a very free and open conversation. It was me and the cast on a Zoom call, and I was able to ask them whatever I wanted. About midway through, you'll hear me make a reference to a dog collar, which involves one of the pranks slash performances on the show. There's a link to this clip in the show notes. The cast attempts to perform magic for strangers on the street while wearing a dog's training collar, and they are actively undermining each other. To be honest... While the magic was a little weird, it was fascinating to watch them do this. It was the kind of stunt that you'd see at a magic convention sort of late at night, so I'm very interested to see what the overall show ends up looking like. I wanted to know more about the show, and the best way to learn was talking to the cast, and now you get to join our conversation. Big Trick Energy, welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I guess... Can you tell our listeners, A, how you got the name past the network censors, and B, <laughs> what the uh, show is yeah. about? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously it's a play on words, uh, so it's a bit zeitgeisty because, you know, it. I, I'm a, you know, you know. I'm a gamer, all right, and that term gets thrown around a lot in gaming, right? right? When So, but regardless, we had, a, we had a whole bunch of different names for the show. The second we heard this name, we went, wow. Yeah. Because it's today, because it it is a little edgy, and and that's who we are. You know, we we dance that line, uh, in in you know in today's culture and everything. We we try to we try to push the boundaries a little bit tastefully, uh, but in a way that doesn't uh you know that that doesn't uh, doesn't offend anybody. Um, and when we uh, when we say the name of the show to people, a lot of people don't even yeah they don't I, even they just go 
oh, it's a great like big trick yeah. energy. It's a great magic. It has like yeah. very like three keywords. They're like, yeah, that sounds like a good. And name, I, so. I think of anything it up like because we've been saying it for so long it's just become its own thing yeah yeah have big trick energy and that's what the show is about it's literally big trick energy <laughs> like we, we have massive tricks the energy is huge yeah. like that's what we are when so. we started uh hashtagging on instagram it was all gymnastics before all right. <laughs> we overran their hashtag sorry gymnastics people but like yeah. that's ours now yeah. to be fair it did take a couple of meetings <laughs> yeah <laughs> But, yeah. but that's, I think that's one of the strengths of our network and the strength of, uh, of us is that we're able to, we're able to play to today's audience yeah. in a way that is still respectful, but we're also kind of having a laugh about it. And it was better than Abracadipshits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the, Magic Impossible. Uh, or Chris Ramsey's project. So that's a dynamo show. <laughs> With that, Magic Impossible. The network yeah. question is interesting because I think that one of the big misconceptions in the magic community is that when you're making a magic television show, it's like, oh, we're going to like do this really cool things for magicians. But no, you're actually making a show for the the demographic of the network that you're on, right? Like fool us is largely made for people who are fans of Riverdale and the Arrowverse, you know? And, uh, and so the big trick energy is clearly uh, aimed at uh, the true T uh, true TVs. Uh, but why should magicians tune into the show is, I guess where, where I'm curious, cause you're making this show for regular people, but the magic community is going to tune in. And I guess what yeah, should the magic course. community look for? We wanted to, we had yeah. that in mind. Like obviously we're, we worked with Daniel Garcia, Mark Assetti, Rico Del Vega, Blake Voigt, uh, who are our consultants who the show would not be possible without, yeah. by the way, oh, so kept us really honest. Yeah. And to stay true to uh, our magic roots and that knowing very well that magicians are going to see this, there are some things in there that are specifically almost for magicians. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to jump in real quick because it, we like literally sabotage each sabotage each other sometimes during tricks, mm -hmm. which is not something you'd want to do. You want your buddies to succeed and do the perfect magic trick. Mm -hmm. We're literally undermining that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's very interesting. I think we're the first watch. show ever to, you know, fuck up a magic trick, to be honest. Yeah. Like, really? When's the last time you watched a perfect magician on TV doing street magic and, and mess up? Yeah. Never happens, yeah. right? Magicians are perfect. They're held to this higher standard. Well, we kind of break that. And that's mm -hmm. what we've been doing for years anyways. And we feel that, you know, like I'll give you an example. The beginning of the show, we have this massive one take trick. It's a one camera shot trick, right? Which is like 45 second trick. Highly produced. Highly produced, massive, big, you know, big, big, big thing. Yeah. And at the end of the show, we show you how we did it. So you get the really? other angle. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And these are these are things that we came up That's with. These are things that we invented. And arguably, the methods mm -hmm. are more interesting than the tricks. So elaborate, you would never practically use them in real life. Exactly. <laughs> Not practical methods by any means. Just methods that are so outlandish, you're like, wow, I can't believe they snuck that under our nose. So you're taking ownership of the fact that the method is is so original that revealing it is is fine, but also like that's kind of what's fun and people that's why we're into magic people want to see and, and people need to appreciate yeah. methodry to appreciate the art of magic you can't appreciate a good magician if you've never seen magic before mm -hmm. and if you don't know how things work because i'll show anyone uh, two card money and they'll be like he's better than david blaine we've all gotten that mm -hmm. and how wrong is he so wrong actually and so they have to understand they have to be exposed to magic and methodry to fully grasp what good magic is so we, we dance that line a lot, but we do it in a, in a way that's tastefully and respectful to yeah. magicians. The, uh, 
the argument every time there's a new magic show from magicians is uh, that's not how you do magic. This is how you do magic. You know, like that happened with Doug Henning where Doug Henning came out and people were like, you know, this hippie bullshit isn't how you do magic. You, do, you know, it's this stuff. And then Copperfield comes along and everyone's like, that's not how you do magic. You have to have like a giant mustache and rainbows. And then Lan- Chris Angel comes along and they're like, no, that's not magic. It's David Blaine. Right. Clearly, that is going to happen with you because that's what magicians love yeah, to do. Sure. What is what is your response to this? Is not how you do magic from the sort of like magic Make intelligentsia. Make your own show, bro. <laughs> it's definitely how we do magic. Yeah, yeah. there is definitely yes. a large amount of people in the world that this is going to be the favorite thing they've ever seen mm-hmm. as far as magic's concerned. Mm-hmm. And yeah. anyone that that's not for, I mean, that's fine. You can't make something for everybody. This is not our audience. But this yeah. is just like, we're trying to we're trying to do something new and in a space where so much has been done, yeah. it's really hard. And that comes with some magicians maybe disliking it. Mm-hmm. It's, well, it's one of the first shows really that really puts emphasis on the not only the magician, but for magician's character and mm-hmm. camaraderie yeah. like, and personalities. Our friendship is the real, real. deal. It's yeah. real. Like we're best friends and we have been for a long time. So it's not like you're grabbing four magicians from four corners of the world and creating a magic show Mm -hmm. and they have to pretend to be friends on camera. Uh, 50% of the show is us messing with each other, comedy, us, you know, just taking digs at each other. Like that's the heart and meat of the show. And you know, to be, to be fair, many times during the show, when we were pitching stuff the night before, weeks before, whatever, and we're like, this is not good. You could just, this, you could just pull any magicians. You could pull any four magicians. That's a great, that's, that's our number one rule in the show. If it's insert X magician, we don't like it. It's gotta fit you. Exactly. If you could take this trick and take Alex out and put any other magician in and he could do the same thing, we hate it. Yeah. So there has to be an element. There has to be an element of us in there. That's that's the whole point of the show. And we show. said no on set. I'm oh, like, I'm yeah. not doing oh, this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this Times is bullshit. Also, I'm yeah. not doing this. It's always yeah. a constant battle with the production think, team. If it thinks insert, they know what magic is, if it's insert X magician, then we don't like it. Yeah, and, and I think the end goal here is is really to shift magic in every way possible and just to have fun. Change up the format a bit, man. Yeah. You had Blaine change it in '96, <clears throat> yeah, and you had Carbonaro change it, right? Mm-hmm. Other than that, everything's been a, a different iteration of the same thing over and over and over. Exactly. So. We're just, even if we help shift that mentality of how magic is perceived on TV a little bit, then our job's done. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not on a crusade to be the best magicians or the best magic show ever, even though that might happen because this show is really different. <laughs> but our goal was to shift that a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if we continue doing it, I'm fortunate enough to do it, then that would be dope. But if yeah. we don't, at least we changed the outlook of how people see magic. Like, we're, we're, we're definitely more concerned about, I mean, obviously the magic has to be great. But our primary concern is like, will the people watching it be having fun, the yeah. most fun possible? Yeah. And that is for sure the goal. And we nailed that. Yeah, yeah it's the, and that's it's, what I'm proud of. It's, it's kind of the only magic show. If you remove the magic, it's still a good show. It still works. No, yes. That's you nice, know? Alex. That's yeah. very well said. And, and I think that's yeah. the whole point. You know, it's to have fun and bring yeah. people in, just be a big family. You know? Speaking of uh, having fun uh, and catering to the magic community, whose idea was it to shock Chris, Chris Ramsey with a dog collar? Because I feel like that appeals to a lot of magicians. <laughs> Uh, it was <laughs> you know, actually, actually, I think, I think that, that that idea initially comes from, uh, Xavier Spade, really? who did something similar on his channel oh, yeah, where he yeah. had, uh, he had these little uh, things oh, yeah. that would like cramp oh, your Oh, the tensor up. thing. We did okay, that at 4F one year where people were like yeah. trying to do tricks while getting through that. It's, oh man, exactly. it's amazing. So yeah. that was kind of what inspired it. We're like, how can we take that to a next level? That's even more harmful. Yeah. And shot caller, and and honestly, we all get we all uh, get a chance so, at it. I've watched the clip, and all of you in the I think, was it was it, it Wes it, or because I know 
one of you just like went like tensed through it, and it, I was honestly amazed. I was like, I did, I could hurt that. so much. We wouldn't let anyone test it before either. I'm just like, nope, throw it on. We're gonna do this. Yeah. And what so, happened was like, we're like, keep it at seven, keep it at seven because it hurts, right? But we don't know how bad it hurts. So we're seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> but now I'm at ten, right? I'm getting shocked. So I'm taking the thing. I'm going back. I'm like, he had me a ten. Put it at eleven, twelve, thirteen. <laughs> I don't know how bad that. And it's a really great way to lose your friends real quick, like. It, you have there's too much power in your hands right there like it's a click of yo, a button. it's a click of a button and you're watching him bend so you're <laughs> laughing so painful well I, I know we're about out of time and because you guys have got just tons of press to do today which is very exciting but the one thing that i didn't ask you guys is uh w- what is the show can you tell our listeners what it is <laughs> we sort of barreled through this assuming everyone knows what it is yeah. but what is so big trick energy for it's four best friends who happen to also do magic who fuck with people and fuck with each other um, in, in a big way, it's a in new way. the biggest way. Because it's not a prank show, right? You are actually performing magic for people. We're yes. actually performing magic. Oh, yeah. There are pranks. There are stunts. Mm-hmm. There are really dangerous things. Oh, there yeah. are hilarious things. I mean, it's just literally our friendship, 10X. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we could do if you had a massive network behind us that gave us money and that gave us a uh, carte blanche and said, do what you guys want. That's what it is. We spent yeah. true TV's money, baby. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, network. Well, thank you guys so much for taking some time and uh, good luck with the show. It looks like just an absolute blast. I'm a big fan of all four of yours and I hope that we can do other stuff together in the future. Thanks, Derek. Let's do Thanks, this again Sarah, after the show airs. If you have so more questions, fun. hit us up. Oh, absolutely. I will definitely be back in touch with you guys. All right, sounds good. Take care. See you. Bye. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to the cast of Big Trick Energy for the conversation, and thanks to you for listening. After the show airs, I look forward to watching an episode and then having another conversation with the cast to go more in-depth about the fully realized structure of the show. Is this what happens if Impractical Jokers and the Carbonaro effect were put into a dye tube and pulled out the other side? Or is this something entirely new? Time will tell, and I look forward to finding out with you. Check out this space for more. On the show next week, we are going to talk to Eric Ross about Sideshow, Deep Tissue Needlework, and Life on the Road. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform magicians are already arguing about Big Trick Energy on. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you're going to have to help me connect my PC to my friend's Xbox so we finally can do the multiplayer in No Man's Sky. I really need help decorating my base. I can't figure out how to build walls. But if strange spacefaring video games aren't your thing, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, wear a mask. <laughs>